Hey man, what an exciting time to be together to celebrate Jesus Christ, our risen Savior together. We've gathered around uh, the table to celebrate that empty tomb together. We're going to dig into the Word of God to discover how we're called to live. We've lifted His name up in praise because He is due all the praise that we can possibly offer in our life. Amen. We serve an incredible Savior the ultimate overcomer, and we can overcome everything in life because of who he is for each and every one of us. Uh, You might have noticed the stage looks a little different this morning. Uh, I've asked Cale to join me not only today, but next Sunday as well. As we continue to unpack this idea of loving my life, what does it mean to live a life in Christ in such a way that the world absolutely knows we we are in love with a risen Savior? And so today we're going to introduce a new idea that's going to motivate us and move us toward more maturity in Christ. Uh, And Kale's ministry is really involved in what we're talking about today as well as next week. Uh, And so I look forward to our interchange together and we hope that you'll see Christ in our presentation and in the Word of God as we deliver it. But last week, if you'll remember, we began talking about this crazy love that we're supposed to have for one another as disciples of Christ, that that indeed the world looks at us and recognizes that we are his disciples because of the crazy love that we have for each other. And we want to live in such a way that the world takes notice, that the world looks at our life and says, man, I want some of that. Whatever is going on in their life, they've got peace joy, happiness. They're spreading love around. I'm not sure what's going on there, but I want to hear that story. And we want to be those kind of people. And so today we're going to introduce a brand new idea that Cale's going to introduce us to right now. So as Tim said, last week we talked about the love of Christ and you've been caught with the love of Christ. That's our hope for you. But what comes next? Where do we go after we've been caught with this love? And today we want to talk about the idea of growth and this idea that We are in the process of being transformed in his image. It's this idea of spiritual formation. And so today, if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 2. And in Colossians chapter 2, which the verses will be on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. But in this text, Paul will describe to us what it looks like to grow in Christ. How we do that. What are the key things that we need to to have in our life in order to follow him? And so starting in verse 6 of Colossians chapter 2, the text reads as this. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let me stop right there for a second, church. Many of you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, and for that we celebrate, but that's not where we leave it. And Paul doesn't say that you've accepted Jesus and now that's it, but he says now you must continue to follow him. See, we we bear another name. We bear the name of Christ, but we also call ourselves disciples of Christ. And that means we're going to continue to follow him. It means we're going to look like him. And so what does Paul say to follow Jesus looks like? This is how it reads. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. So what does it mean to imitate Jesus Christ? What does it mean to look like him in every possible way? Well, it starts, the beginning is to create a well-worn pathway to Jesus Christ. 
And not only just that pathway, but a well-worn pathway to the body of believers, the family of God that meets together. We journey together. You can't walk after Christ alone. You can't journey alone. It takes all of us journeying together to make this journey happen. And so imitating Christ is so incredibly important. And we look at the gospel accounts and other ways to discover how Jesus Christ has lived. And he calls us really to some spiritual disciplines in our own life. This idea that we're going to live differently than maybe we have in the past. It calls us to to realize that following Christ means life different for us. That we're called to look different than the world really around us. And those kind of things don't just happen. It calls us to create these spiritual disciplines or habits that you and I have in our life that looks a whole lot like Jesus. And Paul calls us in Colossians 2 that Cale just read this very important first idea that we are called to be rooted in Christ, that Christ is where our roots exist. They grow deep down into the love and grace and compassion that only he has in his own life. This is the starting point for our Christian journey. And so we, we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, develop these spiritual habits in our life, these disciplines that help us grow and mature in our faith in Christ Jesus. We realize that we want to be in the soil of Jesus Christ, that that's where we want to be planted. Matter of fact, in, in Colossians 2, where Cale just read, Paul talks about being rooted, and that Greek word there means a once and for all planting. Now, we have at the Hall's house, maybe, Kale, you have at your house, maybe you guys have experienced some early planting already. You've got some color around the house. You've got some plants in the ground. And maybe there are some of those that start out in a small pot. You know that eventually they're going to grow. You're going to move them to a larger pot, maybe even plant them in the ground just outside uh, on, in, in your yard. But Paul says that's not how maturity in Christ works. That it's this once and for all, that's the soil we're going to be in. We're never moving from this point with Jesus Christ interacting with us and leading us. You see, our purpose in life is to be planted in Christ so that we can share that story, that message of hope with all those that we come in contact with each and every day. And in doing so, as we grow, as we mature in Christ, that we're going to see fruit from that growth. We're going to see fruit in our own life through the power of the Holy Spirit by being deeply rooted in Christ Jesus. As a matter of fact, Jesus talks about this bearing fruit idea at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus himself says, A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So, every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. And Jesus himself reminds us that we're called to be rooted in him, to be rooted in Christ. And in doing so, that's going to bear fruit in our life. We're going to grow and mature along the way. As we grow into Christ, we're also going to be surrounded by others who are doing the same thing and live that life out. But it does call us to bear fruit, to grow. So, Kale, what are some of those ways that we might actually look like we're growing in Christ? So it's like this. Do you remember when you learned how to drive? Maybe for some of you, you grew up in a family or on a farm. They let you, they let you drive from a young age. Not so in my family. 
Uh, it was it was when you're 15, training for your you know your driver's permit, and you know I'll be honest, I had probably lost uh, some trust that they didn't want to put me behind a moving vehicle. Um, and I can remember though going out to the big empty parking lot, and my dad putting me behind the wheel and saying like, "All right, let's drive." And everything was so foreign to me: the pedals, uh, the blinker, all these knobs. And I, I mean, I hit the windshield wiper probably 12 times before I got the blinker, you know, for the first time. <laughs> And that's what it was like when we learned how to drive. And I'll never forget the day that my dad said, all right, let's go out on the road. And I said, you know, there are other people out there. <laughs> and, and so we drove out there. And, um, you know, most people were safe, I guess. And um, you start to learn, right? And so then for a few months, I practiced with a parent in the front seat or the driver's ed teacher who had that cool brake on his side that he used all the time. And, <laughs> and so... As we got closer to 16, you know, I wasn't an, an inexperienced driver anymore. I wasn't even a student driver anymore, but I was now a driver. And that's kind of what it's like as we grow in Christ. Now, I will say I've seen many of these drivers. I know they've been discipled by Jeff Gordon. Um, <laughs> but we, as I said earlier, we're discipled by Christ. And so that's what our life should look like. Just like you've been trained up in other ways in your life, we've been trained up in him to look like him. And so we can go to the Gospels and we can read what Jesus, what Jesus was like and who, what he did. And so that's what we do. As disciples of him, we go to the Gospel accounts and we model our life after his. And so when you go to the Gospels, you can read stories of Jesus and you can see what kind of person he was. You can see that he was the kind of person that didn't just hang out with people who looked like him or believed like him um, or just liked him. But instead, Jesus spent time with those who, who didn't like him, who would one day want to put him on a cross, who didn't believe like him. He hung out with, with people that we would call sinners. And that's, who, that's the kind of person Jesus was. We see that Jesus was the kind of person that would go off and he would pray for hours on end, even the entire evening. Jesus would pray. We see that Jesus poured into people. He had his 12 followers, but even more than that, he had the three, Peter, James, and John, that he poured into. And you have these same moments, people that you, you know that you've been poured into as well. And more than that, I, think, I see the attitude of Jesus, the kind of person he was, overflowing with compassion and with mercy. And I think of the story of the leper when Jesus went and instead of even healing him first, he touched him because he had this compassion and mercy in him. And so that's the kind, that's the kind of person Jesus was. And that isn't, doesn't fully encapsulate Jesus. We go, you go to the Gospels and you can see for yourself there. But just some of those examples, I look at Jesus' life and I know that it has ramifications for mine. And so if Jesus, the Son of God, spent time in prayer with God, how much more should we spend time in prayer? We should model that behavior. And so just as Jesus poured into others... We too should pour into other people. This, this faith thing, we don't go it alone. This isn't about selfishness. It's not for us, but we pour into other people. Just like if you look back on your life, you'll see that other people have been pouring in your life all along. Like Jesus served other people, we too should serve people. And this should be our attitude. This should be our disposition is that we are in this life to serve others, not to be served. And lastly, we see that Jesus found importance in community. 
And so we too are people who value community. You're here this morning in part because you know that to be true. Community is important. And so you see all over the gospel accounts that Jesus is with people. He's eating with people or he's teaching with people or he's healing people. But Jesus is always in this community. And if community is important for Jesus, then it's important for us too. Yeah, we're reminded, and Paul does throughout the, the, the content of all of his letters, that not only do we, do we need to beat this well-worn path to Jesus Christ to better know how we're called to live, but we do that in community. We do that in family. And that's this church right here, a body of believers who agree on the same goal, that we want to lift Jesus Christ up in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our families. We want to make sure that he's the center of our life. But Paul reminds us that we don't do that alone. That, that, we're, that we grow and we mature in the ranks of others who are walking with us as well. As he writes the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19, Paul says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. And together... We are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. Paul wants to remind us that we don't walk alone. We keep beating this point because that's how we're going to grow and mature, allowing the Holy Spirit to come into our life, but also to journey with other people along the way. We are, we are a miraculous piece of the foundation that's called the church, understanding that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of that building. He's the one that built it, and he is building us as we go along as well. Uh, there's a, a great book out by Francis Chan, his latest effort, called Letters to the Church. And in this book, he really calls all of us to discipleship. It's this idea, again, that we're fully surrendering to Jesus Christ in every piece and fabric of our life, but we're doing that as a family of God. And that's how we grow into the person God's created us to be in his son, Jesus Christ, which really brings us to the second point that Paul makes there in that that letter to Colossae. Yeah, he calls us not only to be rooted in Jesus, but to be built up in the truth. And as, and as Tim said, Jesus is the cornerstone. We are in this process of being built up, but don't ever forget that Jesus is the cornerstone. That is who we are building our lives on. And so you know what it's like maybe to build something. Not all of us, I know, are master builders like Tim over here, but many of you are maybe on the Ikea phase, right? And so <laughs> you can follow the directions, and you don't want to skip any uh, because... That'll get you lost real quick. And maybe some of you are like me and you're still on the Lego phase. But still, <laughs> you don't want to skip any steps there either. But it's this, this idea that we're still being, um, we're still in process. We're being transformed. We're being built up on Jesus Christ. But if we're not careful, we can get into this box-checking mentality. So you got up this morning and, and it's really easy for you to say, well, you know, I got up this morning and I went to church and not many in my neighborhood did. You know, I went... And I took communion, and I heard the sermon, and you know, I've kind of done my faith work for the week. I'm done. That would be a box-checking mentality. But that's not what we're called to. You cannot do the work that, that we're calling you to. You cannot be a disciple in 75 minutes a week. But it is this call to a more intentional lifestyle. It's kind of like when you're trying to learn a language or learn anything big like that. You don't take class once a week and learn a language You have to be immersed in it every day, studying the vocabulary words, practicing. And our faith is the same. As Tim used the word earlier, we want to build these habits of faith. And you hear them talked about all the time here at Crosspoint. So one of those might be joining a connect group, 
Just like we continue to talk about the importance of community, um, that's where you find it here at Crosspoint. You find it here on Sunday mornings and you find it in, in our connect groups. And another thing you'll do in our connect groups is that you'll open up God's word. And you'll, so you'll develop two practices of being with others and in going deep in God's word. These are ways that we can be intentional about building our faith. We've already mentioned prayer, and so we want to be people that are intentionally setting aside time and spending time with God the Father through prayer. Many of you already serve. We had the big event yesterday, and there were some 60 of you from Crosspoint there. And we are so proud of you and so thankful that we serve alongside a church with that kind of heart. But we want to be those kind of people who are intentionally looking for opportunities to serve. Another important thing that Tim has called this church to on a number of occasions is that just to know your story. Be able to tell your story to someone else in three to five minutes. And the value of that is not only that you get to to share the gospel with others, but it's also so that you get to reflect on that. Because if you look and think about how you got to where you are, you will see the Holy Spirit's fingerprints all over your life. You'll see the other people that have been pouring into you all the time. And we need other people. You know, Crosspoint is in an exciting place right now. Every week we have guests join us here, and we're so glad that you are here with us today. We have people every week who choose to be part of this church family. And I see something every week that, is, uh, that just humbles me, and I'm so excited about Many of you get here early, and in part what you can do then is you can pour into other people. This isn't the kind of church that just sits back and, and stays in their own box. If you find yourself doing that, I would encourage you, get out of your box and go look for those new faces. We want to be the kind of church that welcomes everybody here into God's family here at Cross Point. And so get out of your box and, and go and meet a new face. As we've been saying, don't underestimate the value of community. We need to be with each other. But Satan's goal in your life is to isolate you and to single you out. It's just, Satan. the Bible calls Satan like a roaring lion. He wants to divide you as a lion divides its prey from the pack. Because when it's separate, it becomes that much easier to attack. That's exactly what Satan wants to do to you. He wants you to be isolated. He wants you to be alone. God not only designed us, but he calls us to this life in community. And so we need to find that because we know that is where we are protected. That's where we're strengthened. And so... As we follow Christ, Paul in Colossians calls us to be rooted in him, built up in the truth, and lastly, to be strengthened in the faith. Yeah, church, if you want to be really strengthened, if you want something to really grow and mature, then you're going to have to to give it some nutrients. You think about those plants or the garden that you might have, any number of things, uh, you, you have to water it. You have to give it those nutrients, a little TLC along the way. Kel, I remember a, a moment that I was in uh, living in Stillwater, Oklahoma, doing youth ministry. And during those years uh, in youth ministry, during the summer, I was typically gone about 50% of the summer going to camps or mission trips or, or road trips with, with teenagers. Uh, but one particular summer, I remember I wanted to grow some watermelon because uh, I really like eating watermelon. And I planted the seeds in early spring. They sprouted up and came forth. And I was really putting the TLC on them because I wanted those vines to come out. And sure enough, they did. But then summertime hit with my teens and we were gone a lot of the time. And I failed to ask anyone to water my watermelons. So at the end of the season, I had some shriveled up vines that didn't produce anything at all. And church, if we're not careful... If we decide that we can do this thing alone or Sunday morning will suffice, that's exactly how our spiritual life will look. We're called to really allow Jesus Christ to, to, be, uh, to, to, to take on us and give us the nutrients we need to truly spiritually grow. 
And there may be some of us here this morning who are saying, you know what, you're right. I'm looking at my own life and I realize I haven't grown much in my spirituality. And I'm tired of being right where I am. I don't want to stay here anymore. But, but some of us look at our own life like I mentioned last week about my own. You look back at where you are now and, and I wasn't the same person five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. But some of us, as we reflect, might not be able to say that. Maybe, as Kayla has mentioned, that there have been moments where, you know, we've just, we've just been okay with Sunday morning. But Christ calls us to so much more. He wants us to beat that path to him to look like him, but also to create that path to a community of believers that can help us have that TLC, the nutrients, the water that we need to grow fully. Maybe in your own life, you're thinking this morning, you know what? It, it is time for some next steps. It's time for me to do something different in my life. It's time for me to venture out so that I do mature, that I do grow in my faith in Christ Jesus. So, Kale, what are some of those small steps that we can take in our own lives, some practical ideas where I can grow and mature my faith? So we've mentioned a few this morning. And if you're a note-taking kind of person, I encourage you to write some things down here. We've, we've mentioned our connect groups here at Crosspoint that we encourage you to be a part of. Uh, we've mentioned prayer and setting aside time every day to pray. I want to give you just a few other things that you could do even today that will help you take steps towards Christ. So the first one that I would encourage you towards is a regular practice of Bible reading. Research shows us that Christians that are in the Word daily are the Christians that are growing. Almost everyone who grows, you can pinpoint that they are reading God's Word. That they are opening up his word and letting the words of life flow into theirs. And so I would encourage you uh, to adopt a practice of daily Bible reading. And this doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be starting Genesis 1 and just reading straight through. In fact, we live in in an easy time to do this. You can download one app on your smart device and you can have every version of the Bible that's ever been printed. And not only that, there are so many plans right there built in. And so maybe let's start out small. Maybe you go there today and say, I want just a one-month plan. And for the next month, I'm going to be dedicated to read through this plan. It doesn't have to take a lot of time, but we want you in the Word daily. Maybe the second thing is, as you think about all the mission trips and service opportunities that Crosspoint is a part of. You've heard us talk about those, but maybe you say, now is the time that I'm going to start to uh, say, what's it going to take for me to go to maybe Sam's place? Maybe this summer, maybe the summer afterwards. But what's it going to take for me to take that trip? And if you don't think that that will change your life, I invite you to spend 30 seconds with Donna up here. And she will tell you that it will change your life. It has turned hers completely upside down in the best way possible. Or spend a few minutes with any of the number of here of people who have been to Camp Mento, Honduras. And they'll tell you the exact same things of how your life will be changed by being a part of that trip. But it doesn't take going overseas. You could join our youth group and take a two-hour a two drive south and serve at Camp of the Hills. Our youth group goes every summer, and they do rely on some adult uh, sponsors as well to cook a meal three times a day for other campers. And so maybe you join that trip this summer. I know that uh, Jason would take more adult sponsors on that trip. And it doesn't even end there. We have people, part of this church, that are serving all the time. We have numerous nonprofits in town. There's lots of ways to serve. But as we've mentioned um, earlier, we want to be the kind of people who serve and who have that attitude. Um, or maybe you decide today, you've given here and there, but maybe you decide today that I'm going to become a person that tithes regularly. Um, Steve laid it out so eloquently earlier of why we want to be the kind of people who give. 
You've given over your life to Christ. You want to give more, him more time, but why not turn over your finances to him as well? Some of that, that can be, for some of us, the, the last place we want to give up control over. The last place that we want to say, I'm too worried about this to give it over to anybody else. And Jesus invites you to give that to him, not because God needs your money, not because even Crosspoint needs your money, but because you need to relinquish control of your finances to him. And I promise you, you will be blessed in doing so. You'll become a, gener- a more generous person and God's blessings will be overflowing in your life. Or the last one, this one might be my, one of my favorite ones that I could give to you today. And it's for those of us that are married in here, the practice of praying daily with your spouse. I cannot say enough of how important this could be. Research backs up that those couples who pray together will stay together far more often than those who don't. We don't want to be just another statistic of marriages who end in failure. We want to thrive. That's what we want for Crosspoint and for the marriages here. So we encourage you to sit down with your spouse and pray daily together. This doesn't have to take a long time. It doesn't have to take 30 minutes or an hour, though though do that if you're called to that. But just making a regular time, a regular rhythm in your life that you come together as a couple and share that. Not only will that help deepen your faith individually, but it will help you grow as a couple. And that's what we want for you. And so spend some time every day praying together as a spouse. But I want to caution you. Don't take all of these things that maybe you just wrote down, maybe we've talked about today. Pick one thing. Because for some of you, you are in the place that Tim described, that your life has pretty much looked the same the last year or five years or ten years. And so we want to send you out today encouraged and inspired to take some, some steps back towards Christ. But if you try to add too many at once, that's going to fail. And so let's add one. What is one thing you can do today? Because we know that one small step in the right direction is a step in the right direction. As we were called at the beginning today, we are called to continue to follow Christ. And so take those steps, even as small as they may be, take steps towards him. There's lots of ways to follow Christ. And that's the, those are the kind of people that we want to be building in these daily habits towards him. And so I encourage you to start small, but to start today. And so we see from what, from what Paul says in Colossians is that we're going to be, to be, to grow, we want to be rooted in Christ, built up in his truth. Our faith will be strengthened. And then we know from there, we'll be overflowing with thankfulness. Yeah, this idea of overflowing with thankfulness, church, that, that's what's going to get the attention of the world. Because we're different because of Jesus Christ. Amen? I mean, he's changed our lives for the, for the better. And so we, we live in such a way that we are gratefully, outwardly, inwardly, in every which way of our own life, the world looks at us and realizes how in love we are with Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, the word that, that Paul uses there in that, that letter to the Colossians in chapter 2 is this idea of being uh, actively grateful. It's the idea, the idea that we're not just keeping it on the inside, but our words and our actions also reveal to those around us that we are absolutely in love with the risen Savior. That we want to give everything fully to him. And church, one thing I can tell you about this church that will never, ever, ever change. And that is Jesus Christ will always be the center of this church. Period. Nothing else matters but his name and his name lifted on high. We want to live a life in such a way that the world realizes that, knows that. We want to be a light on the hill in this community. And we want to live in such a way that we are growing every day. That we're maturing in Christ because we are creating that well-worn path to Jesus Christ. We are creating that well-worn path to the other family of believers that are going to help us journey 
toward being more like Jesus. As we finish up our time this morning, I want to offer a a prayer. I want to ask God through his Holy Spirit to come into each one of our lives and help us reflect on who we are and where we want to be, to reveal to us who he's designed us to be. And if we need to make change in our life in order to better mature in Christ, better grow in Christ, better to be connected to the family of God, that we'll make those changes and he'll show us how we can do just that. And so I want to take just a moment, if, if you would bow with me, and let's ask God to come into our life in that way. Father, we come to you this morning so grateful, first of all, for who you are. We acknowledge that you are the God of the impossible. You're the God of the universe. You are our God. And God, so we want to surrender fully to you in every possible way. With all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we want to be every bit a person who is called yours. And God, I want to acknowledge this morning that, that there may be some of us in this room who haven't, who haven't fully surrendered. I mean, we're, we, we haven't grown much toward you lately. There have been things in our way, relationships that have happened, maybe ways that we feel about ourselves and some actions that we've taken that have kind of put the brakes on our growth in you and towards you. And God, I want your Holy Spirit to come into each and every person in this room. That God, you would reveal to us the person you've called us to be that you would remind us that we are forgiven people and that, God, you love us so very much. I pray, God, that we would create well-worn paths to you, that you would allow the opportunity for us to create well-worn paths to the family of believers right here at Crosspoint. And that, God, you would show us how we're created to be and everything that we're designed to be in your son, Jesus Christ. God, thank you for your love and your mercy. And it's in Jesus' name we offer this prayer. Amen. As we do every Sunday morning church, we always have a song where we want to offer a moment where you can go to some shepherds for prayer. And maybe there's something going on in your life that you're, you're having some trouble with. You, you need a discernment and wisdom. You need clarity. And so as we sing this next song, our shepherds will be gathered around the wall of this room. And I want you to go find one of those couples and let them lay hands on you, let them pray for you, let them pray over you. That God would make clear to you in your own life the direction you need to go, the wisdom that you need. And that you would be drawn closer to our risen Savior and live a life in such a way that you're absolutely overflowing with gratefulness and thankfulness for what he's done for you. If that's you this morning, let's all stand together and give praise to him as we sing this song.